Hello everyone, my name is Justin Redimer. I'm the men's director here at Three Crosses Church and the principal of Redwood Christian High School to remind you that you are created with purpose. It was late May of 2007 at Liberty High School in Brentwood, California. And like most schools in America, the school year was winding down with its flurry of activities. As students busied themselves preparing for the junior English essay final I was administering the coming week, immersing themselves in the texts we had read and the notes they had taken over the previous semester, a student from the previous year walked into my class and sat down next to my desk. I walked over to her to ask what she wanted, but when I saw the pained expression, the downcast eyes, and the tight-lipped grimace, I knew something was wrong. When I sat down next to her, I noticed tears gathering in the corners of her eyes and falling down her cheeks. I said, Brittany, what's wrong? And with the loudness that startled my hunched over students, she proclaimed, I don't know what to do. I feel like it has all been for nothing. After some conversation, I discovered that her statement, a statement I've heard echoed by innumerable seniors over my 19 year career as an educator, was elicited by the realization that while others had college or trade school or meaningful jobs to look forward to after graduation, Brittany did not, and that shook her to her core. It was a revelation so powerful that in her eyes, it made her previous four years of high school meaningless. And in a certain way, she was right. See, Brittany was perceiving a truth about the world and especially the modern world, that many adults spend their entire lives avoiding. A truth usually approached by philosophers or those who are living closer to the edge of existence itself, namely, what is the point of your life? And if that question cannot be answered, secondly, of what use are you? Or for that matter, what is the point of any of the countless projects of mankind? In pre-modern times, it was potentially easier to answer such questions, in medieval England, your last name was often your occupation. In the Gospels, Jesus grows up a carpenter under the tutelage of his father Joseph, a carpenter also. In the Torah, we see it recounted that the sons of Levi shall serve the Lord at first at the tabernacle and then later at the temple. So as soon as a Levite was born, he knew his tribe, his occupations, his purpose. But modernity has uprooted many of those givens. One's occupation is not something inherited. It is something chosen or pursued. One's geographic or even national identity is now a matter of choice. One's religion is not passed down. It is a chosen faith, very different even than the baptizing of households seen in the New Testament. One's spouse, home, community, friends, identity, all now choice. Many have become so addicted to choice that they think they choose who and what they are, even their own gender or body. We should mourn the loss of these necessary and good stable foundations. They are givens in life, starting with your body. But it is also true that in modern times, we have been shown that some of these older givens, like taking the job your parents had with no choice, shows us some purposes are arbitrary and contingent. They aren't our ultimate purpose, they are rather forms or shadows or echoes of the true purpose man has been offered. A purpose given at the beginning of Genesis and repeated continuously in scripture 
and stable for all of humanity for all time. What purpose is that? It is one that echoes the eternal nature of the eternal God we worship. I was told once of a visit to the Holy Land, where a pilgrim recounted a life-changing experience of seeing a modern city next to the ruins of a medieval city, next to the ruins of a Roman city, next to the ruins of an ancient Canaanite city, and the realization struck him that all the works of men's hands are destined for ruin. It reminded me of the account of Daniel's dream of the beasts and their kingdoms in Daniel 7. Winged lion, bear, leopard, horned beast with iron teeth, each of them rising and falling as all kingdoms of men are bound to do. And it is in light of that we read Daniel 7, 13-14, which is an account of Daniel's vision of a different kind of work. In my vision, says the book, At night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. This eternal king whose eternal kingdom is coming to govern not just a regional geographic space, but the entire world, and not just to set right the laws of men, but the laws of nature itself. The Jews of the first century AD understood this messianic prophecy to indicate the eternal kingdom God would instantiate through his chosen Messiah. And when Jesus repeats the claim, and you shall see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with power before Caiaphas, he is laying claim not only to the figure of the Messiah, but also to the full prophecy. We understand now why Caiaphas tore his robes in half. This prisoner was not simply claiming authority over the Sanhedrin or the Jews. He was claiming to be the one to whom everlasting dominion was being given over all peoples, nations, and men of every language. And so when the resurrected Jesus Christ appears on the mountaintop before the worshiping disciples in Matthew 28 and declares, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me, we are to understand that the Daniel 7 prophecy has been fulfilled. So what is the calling he has given each of us? You, me, even Brittany from Brentwood, Let us look at what Christ follows those initial words with. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, maybe you've heard it said that the job of the church is to baptize people, and that is true. But it would appear that it is not just people we are called to disciple and baptize, is the nations themselves. This is the calling of the church across space and time, not simply bringing people to faith, but baptizing and discipling the nations, reforming customs, laws, practices, identities, families, bringing all things before the sway of Christ, teaching all peoples of every tribe and tongue to obey Jesus and leavening them through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a difficult task to attend to especially in a culture that has worked diligently to privatize and personalize religious faith and practice. But that does not diminish the call. We are followers of an eternal king and citizens of an eternal kingdom. Our Lord does not simply rule heaven, no. 
All earth has been put under his authority, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. So, the question becomes, will we follow our Lord or not? See, one's perspective on the cultural mandate depends entirely on whether that person has dedicated love for their fellow men within them. Do you care about your neighbors, your neighborhood, your town council, your mayor, the people at your kid's school, sports teams, camps, to speak Christian truth? This truth of bringing all things under the obedience of Christ, not just into the lives of our neighbors, but into the cultural, political, economic, and social realities we see around us. This is a hard thing. It is difficult to challenge the prevailing orthodoxies of the day. It is hard to know how to speak boldly, but in love. The powers and principalities of the air make it far easier to remain silent when the desires of the world part sharply with the desires of Jesus. And if we do not have a deep affection or love of neighbor, it is a command easy to resist. Christ is not calling us to cast pearls before swine. However, if we have abiding brotherly or sisterly affection for those who live nearest, then we have not just a calling, but an obligation to share both the truth of Christ, but also the further truths implied by the reality of his victory over sin and death, and his instantiation upon the throne at the right hand of the Father. As Christ himself so loved the people of Israel, that he brought them not just healing and miracles, but the truth about his messianic kingdom, challenging their perspective on land, law, custom, the temple, the sacrificial cult, and most importantly, the friend-enemy distinction that existed between them. So we are called to live out that same obligation in our communities, workplace, neighborhood, and home. It is our calling. May the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob steady us in this purposeful task, and may Christ grant us peace in pursuing it.